this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Surprising, actually, how much people really still don't understand what we do. People really struggle to have a conversation with a safety professional. It just felt exhaustingly lonely. I think it's a really lonely profession, safety. There's a lot about the, the little things that are consistently happening in little and often ways. We've got the background of Ukraine and Russia. We've got the issues currently in the Red Sea. Is it COVID issues 2.0 with the supply chain? I'm like, oh my God, new year, perfect time for new view safety, perfect time for this and that, perfect time to throw away the shackles of how you've done things before new year new me new business new function and oh my god it can feel almost overwhelming trying to keep up actually we've made it so hard now for us to fail because the standard of good has become higher and higher and higher and higher and i feel like i contribute to that sometimes in that we only share the good stuff i didn't go on linkedin last year and say 2023 on paper was a great year but i've really struggled last year a lot of people in that kind of 55 plus bracket that are feeling that they've paid a lot of passion tax and I Actually, they're feeling like that passion isn't rewarded. We know from the census that there's a huge amount of safety professionals in there and they get into a point where they've seen what they've delivered. They've not necessarily seen businesses change at a maturity level point of view and they're kind of thinking, what's the point? To be honest, it's it's the not at all that stick out to me all the way through. I felt like those people were just trying to kind of reach out. If you come off the back of Christmas into a new job, whatever, but you're coming into the new year and you don't feel in good spirits and optimistic, it's going to be a long year, you know? Are we still doing the trumpet? I was literally just about to ask that. <laughs> I have started to reflect on my trumpet. I don't think it's as good as what I initially thought. thought because I heard the proper trumpet and was like, oh. <laughs> So, James, you're saying that you've, you've come to the conclusion after benchmarking your trumpet with an actual brass instrument that your mouth can't produce the same one. <laughs> Colour me surprised, James. Colour me surprised. Yeah. Um, really I, 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 I think it's, you know, if we take a moment, pause, reflect, and uh, just thank you for your time before we retire the trumpet. James, thank you. Godspeed. Um <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to do it, James. I wasn't going to do it. That's so funny. Well, I, well, I think um, it's always good to start on a laugh because I think I think today might be a bit of a bummer, the same as last the last episode. Uh, but hello, everyone. Welcome back to Rebounding Safety Show. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, the aim is to try and get these live, actually, Pete, which we haven't really spoken I would about. Love that. But I think that would be really cool. We've got all of the stuff ready to go. Um, we're doing um, a LinkedIn Live using the same setup, but I'm doing it for Risk Assessor. And so that's kind of, um, I'm hoping that's going to go all right. Um, that would actually be the first time I've ever done the live. But after that, um, I'm, I'm kind of thinking we should go live with this show. Yeah. I think it'd be so cool to have people being able to ask questions and stuff. And we can have up to like 10 people in the room as well. So we can even bring people in Fantastic. Um, if we want to. And then I've, I've even got, which is something I really want to do. I've even got the ability on this roadcast. I think we spoke about this before to, uh, to have people call in. Oh, that'd be good. 
Yeah, so I can give. I'm a bit concerned about giving my mobile number out publicly, but it's kind of out there anyway. If I'm honest, it's on the website uh, or it was. Um, But we could technically have people call in. They're like, you know, like LBC. Hello, long time listener, first time caller. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I really do. Um, So yeah, that would be cool. Let's do it. It's all about the engagement, James. Safety is one of the greatest professions for getting people involved. So yeah, I'm I'm here for it. Let's do it. Can I throw a slight spanner in the works for this episode though, James? So if I remember right, on our first episode, we have a beautiful brick wall background as part Mm. of this with our faces like against it, but I can't see it here today. Is that on on purpose? So I can turn it on um, now. I can't find how exit full screen. I can change it. I've, this is a, this is cool setup. This is I've got full flexibility now to be like boom. There you go. Um, still recording. We can do that whilst we're live as well. I can even Amazing. put a countdown in. It's so cool. This thing is. However, when we are making clips for shorts. Mm. The shape of the screen makes it really hard to translate. So basically, when Sherry's turning it into shorts, yeah. she has to kind of like redesign. Like she cuts a bit like a, like that and then brings it out and then takes the next bit. So if you've got two people talking to each other, um, yeah. it doesn't automatically do it. So when we're using, gotcha. I don't know, some AI thing, they literally will listen to the whole podcast and take out loads of clips um, which is amazing. The thing you sent through and a friend of mine uses as well, um, it struggles with the the positioning when we have that yeah. backup. I'm trying this one for this episode and then we'll Ooh. see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. In the business, James, I think you've described a faff, I think it's called, uh, to mm. otherwise edit everything as part of that. For those of you who are quite interested in what James was talking about there, uh, AI kind of extraction of video shorts from a yeah. long form video, have a look at Opus. That's, that's it. OPUS. If you put kind of Opus clips into Google, you'll find it. Amazing bit of AI tech. When, when you see the outputs, you'll see that there's a few other content creators using it as well, which is understandable because it's bloody brilliant. Let's be real, James. It's great. It, 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 it's madness, man. I mean, it used to take Sherry like a whole day. And if I yeah. do it, it takes me like two days because I don't edit that much anymore. So I'm, I'm just slow at it. If Shez does it, it takes her a whole day. She'll probably get maybe like on a good day like or a good podcast you might get like 10 12 13 yeah. kind of clips but it'll take her a whole day opus clips does it in like 40 minutes of just like it's amazing it's just unbelievable it listens i mean it literally takes the length of the content you upload so the length of the content is maybe a couple of extra minutes and it goes boom and you're like whoa and they're good they're good clips so let, let's say, for example, you are a safety advisor, safety manager, and you think, right, I need to get a short, punchy video about a health and safety topic. It could be, let's say, adverse weather, right, at the moment, slips and trips. You record yourself over maybe like a five-minute video, talking through all the relevant points, working through your script, working through whatever content you're doing. Give it to Opus Clips and say, I want a 30-second punchy extract of something I've said in here. And it will literally extract it, put subtitles in, emphasize the subtitles, and give you the finished piece. And the best part, we're not, oh, geez, I'm saying this, James, like we're sponsored. We're not sponsored. Opus, hear us, sponsor us. We're here for the money. But <laughs> by, the time, by the by, if you're a safety professional, you can try it out for free. It's a game changer. 
do it love it let us know how you find it it's really it we should actually do an episode talking about ai i know we spoke about ai sporadically but it, it really hasn't had like a dedicated episode to itself other than yeah. back when we had prakash on um yeah let's do it james i'm here for it yeah i know i know you are here for it for sure <laughs> um but i'd really like to discuss it i like i'm using it increasingly like more every day just to ask even just ask like quick questions instead of like um so the other day i was like i know there's some research out for this bit this claim i've just made in a in a video or or, or literature well i'm working on the new guidebook actually so i was like i've seen it before i've, I've got some notes but i can't find my notes and you know what my organization is like so i'm like it's taking me forever to go through it so i'll google it so i was like but what do i bloody google so I put it in Google Bard. I was like, find me some research that states this um, and and then like corroborate it basically and like give me the references and all of that stuff. And it found like six pieces of research and two of which are the ones that I remember reading um, previously. So I was like, bloody hell, I start using that more than more than I use Google now, um, yeah. which is madness. No, okay. anyway, it's amazing. But let, we'll pin that one, James, because it's a good one to t- talk through another time. For yeah, sure. around the car park. So we had a really kind of morbid discussion last time where we spoke about the growth of the economy essentially being written in blood. Um, kind of overall, I think we a lot of responses back were like, thank you for thank you for talking about this, really. Um, so that was nice because I always get nervous when we put something out controversial like that. Uh, what yeah. the response is going to be, whether the witch hunt is coming. Um but how I felt at the end of that was very much um, kind of if I was a listener, I'd feel a bit, I'm already exhausted. And then I come yeah. on here and James and Peter telling me that what I'm doing is not enough. Um, and that there's so much to do that essentially you're, you can't see the wood for the trees. You're, you're kind of exhausted. You think you're halfway up the mountain only to find out you're like one tenth up the mountain kind of thing. Um, so what we wanted to probably discuss this week was, you know, we, we introduced it on the line of, you know, safety professionals, are you okay? Which essentially is what we wanted to, to discuss. So we asked everyone to do a, a, just a simple Microsoft forms, just to work out whether is that just us that thinks like that, or is it, is everyone kind of feeling like that? And, um, had really good responses, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, that we have. I mean, to, to preface this, this is not like a scientific study. It's not kind of <laughs> meant to be statistically significant, anything like that. It's to generate the discussion as part of it and give us kind of a, a if anything, almost a, a deeper insight that we're able to talk through today. So if you're going to come back to us and say, oh, hang on a sec, what was N equals as part of this? What was your kind of chi squared as part of that in terms of your relationships between each of the questions? I don't think anyone's going to say that. So, <laughs> they, they know um, what channel um, they're listening to. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, it was, I'm, like I'm, we, we know, Pete, we know. <laughs> for those uh, potentially in, in the know of statistics, I've done my time with Minitab and SPSS. I don't want to do it again. So I will do everything I can to avoid that. Um, but still, it was a really powerful episode, wasn't it, James? Like massively powerful episode last week. Uh, there's a real challenge in terms of addressing the societal issues that are going on at the moment in health and safety. The big takeaway that hopefully people took who filled in the the survey is what we said at the end. You matter. 
as an, as an individual, you matter. There's so much that can feel outside of our sphere of control, even outside of our sphere of influence, that it can feel deflating, quite almost debilitating in some ways to think, is my ripple going to make a wave? I'm just one person. Never underestimate the power that you have as an individual to make change and to inspire change. James and I are two people, but even through what we're doing today, what we've done so far, the ripples that we can have are a little stronger because we're just reaching more people. That's why like there's a podcast, we have the platform. What you might find is that if you, for example, want to make an equal type of change, that just speaking with people, going out to a community meeting, dropping a phone call, sending a LinkedIn message that just says, how you doing? Can I have a chat? See how things are. You might not change the world, but you can absolutely change a world. And that, oh, geez, that's phenomenal. Absolutely mm. phenomenal. Mm. Wow. I didn't know you were going to start off on like a big, deep keynote speech. I, I, neither did I, James. I literally, I was looking at the notes I'd made and it, none of that's on there. So. <laughs> I don't know what to say now. Well, I'll tell you what, how about we we, we start with a simple one. What is today? What's the date today? Well, I didn't even know what it was until you told me, but it's something called Blue Monday. So it's probably best that you describe what that is, because as I said, I only found out about it like a week ago. Right. So I'm going to explain what it is and I'll tear it down a little bit. So Blue Monday is, I'm going to say, colloquially described as the most depressing day of the year. Now, it's described as the most depressing day of the year uh, because of a chap called Dr. Cliff Arncliffe, who in, sorry, Arncliffe, Dr. Cliff Arnold, who in 2005 produced an equation that sought to identify the most depressing day of the year, and he came up with the third Monday in January. The equation itself is absolute BS. It was produced for the well-known publication Sky Travel back in 2005 a uk-based travel company um and although dr cliff arnold is described as a psychologist from cardiff university uh, someone from the guardian said that he's a psychologist from cardiff university in the sense that dr arnold briefly taught some psychology related evening classes at the university's adult education center apparently this makes him a cardiff university psychologist using that logic I'm an ASDA manager because I once made one of their staff fetch me a discount chicken. <laughs> so, the first thing, when oh, you are hearing people talk about, oh, it's a depressing part of the year, it's the saddest day of the year, don't believe everything you hear. It has been a bit discredited as a bit of pseudoscience. That said, that said, it's a pertinent and poignant time to think, how are people doing? What's what's going on in the world? How are we doing in our profession? And although Blue Monday might be full of crap, I think, James, the key thing is that we're still able to talk about mental health issues, depression, challenges and solutions at any time of the year. I just think there's an extra insight into that, though, right, in that uh, maybe it's just something that's at the front of my mind at the moment for a couple of reasons. One, um, I 
I'm going for a little bit of a battle with a company that may have oversold me something that turned out to be nothing, which in my head feels very much like a con. So once you pass me onto a website where they review all these businesses and stuff, and I was like, oh my God, I'm not the only one. Everyone seems to have this problem. And also I purchased myself a little treat, got myself a new coffee machine, um, which hasn't arrived. And the company has now shut down all of their websites and everything. So again, I feel very much conned there out of about 300 quid. Um, um, so that that's quite upsetting um, to the point where I've genuinely found the person, found their address, found them on LinkedIn. Like I am, I've got some notes and the notes are called Taken 7, the return, <laughs> Taken 7. Return the of the coffee machine. The coffee machine. <laughs> so, um, so it, it's kind of dominating my mind. And then at the weekend I watched BitCon, which you, you referred on to me, which yes, again is very yeah. much about, about a con, right? Um, so without going too much into this, that, that little story you, you kind of said there, you, and we'll get into all these details, but ultimately like you don't know who to trust anymore. So like, if you are, yeah. if you are feeling very much alone and want some help or you're struggling, uh, you kind of like, if you do watch that Bitcoin, it is scary how simple and easy it was for them to look like a really professional highly educated body um in the matter of a couple of hours you know on on the internet um it was just unbelievable and, and i think that can exacerbate people's you know feeling of of loneliness or lost or you know it needs support but who do i go to um you know because it's not it's not cheap like you could go, go on our website and be like oh these guys look all right you, you've genuinely got no idea until we turn up and do some work and then at the end of the project hopefully you'll go okay yeah fair enough that was worth the money but what if what if you didn't it's like there's so much at stake nowadays and it's so hard without putting a lot of time and effort into it uh, to work out who who is, I don't want to say honest, but who is kind of I don't know, a word who's inspiring the... trust, James. Who, yeah. who is inspiring trust, and how are well, they doing? No, because I think you can inspire trust, but but can like so if I that's what they did on that show, they inspired trust of many people. They did. the The integrity of them though wasn't great. Yes, integrity is probably a better, better word, actually, yeah. Do you know, it's to, to take kind of a couple of things that you just said there. Uh, first of all, Bitcoin, it's on Netflix. It's one of the Netflix's own type of thing. It's a fascinating documentary about an hour and a half long. Really it does good. seem a little bit like satire at points, but it seems like satire because of how honest the kind of main interviewee is. And the mm. reason that he's so honest is because of, if I'm not mistaken, double jeopardy. Double jeopardy. Where in America, if I'm not mistaken, James, you can't be tried for the same uh, criminal infractions once you've gone through the first like type of the mm -hmm. court bit. Fascinating insight into someone that is a self-confessed scammer that has just literally done some, in their own words, some very shady shit. <laughs> I'd like, very interesting you know, most kids you know most kids they want to they want to you know grow up and be a farmer i just i want to be a criminal and you're just like what the <laughs> fuck like who says, who that? says that <laughs> it's <laughs> mad absolutely mad and you know but we'll take some of the other bits that you've said as well which 
I think, James, there's a lot about the, the little things that are consistently happening. And I say little things, but it's perhaps the exposure to things that are happening in little and often ways. So from a media point of view at the moment, we've got the background of Ukraine and Russia. We've got the issues currently in the Red Sea. I saw a headline the other day crop up and it said, is it COVID issues 2.0 with the supply chain where they're having to send people around the Suez Canal because of all of the issues uh, in there at the moment? I'm like, oh, my God. Am I literally just about to go? I'm looking at a, potentially getting a different second-hand car later on this year. Am I going to just literally have to shell out thousands again and plan for it now? Mental. So you've got all of that side from a society point of view that's going on. And then you've got potentially the challenge is of self-comparison through LinkedIn. You've got Sydney Decker's new book that's coming out. You've got all of the safety theory that's still being pushed saying you know it's a new year perfect time for new view safety perfect time for this and that perfect time to throw away the shackles of how you've done things before new year new me new business new function new process you've got a whole bunch of changes in recruitment where people are leaving going to be starting new jobs it's a huge time of transition it's a huge time of transformation and oh my god it can feel almost overwhelming trying to keep up it really can and when you've got all these little things that are consistently bombarding you, it can feel like it's the big picture. It's the big, like, Jesus Christ, it's it's too much. It's mm. too much. And that was actually reflected in quite a bit of what we've, we've seen in terms of the responses for, for the survey uh, that we sent out. So what do you reckon, James? How do you feel? Should we, should we get into some of these, uh, these answers? Mm. That, I think that there is... I think someone else did. Um, I was just. Uh, this is kind of off topic, so I don't want to stay on this no, topic for for, for for too long. But interestingly, still a large proportion of like thirty six to thirty six to sixty four is like the main that that and that's three brackets on our survey combined into one. Um, but like that's the main one, and then like disproportionately male, seventy percent male. Um, yeah. So like still probably a lot more. I think I think there is definitely I'm well, I see it from LinkedIn and a definite increase in in diversity since when I started the profession. Um, but still kind of shows um potentially a little bit more work to be done there. <clears throat> Youth yeah. like young side, 18 to 25. And look, this is only our survey. So I'm not saying there's only one 18-year-old yeah. in safety, but ultimately a bit of an insight <laughs> in that. You know, it's a bit of an insight that only one person, 18 to 25. Um, so that, that 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 maybe maybe a topic to for us to car park and talk and talk about um, later on on another episode. But that's uh, something that yeah. popped out to me. Construction is definitely the biggest dominant area um, on this survey just to kind of introduce, I suppose, the type of people, the person that has uh, completed this. A majority of people are in the gr in Great Britain uh, with a couple, is that Northern Ireland? Yeah, Northern Ireland or the Republic yeah, of Ireland. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then after that, I think maybe we just, um, unless you got anything to say on those introductory kind of uh, type of person, what would you call it? Profile. Um, mm -hmm. I'm happy to just kind of go into the questions and start picking bits yeah. out. Yeah, I think so. Let's let's do it. Let's do it. It's um, as I said at the start, it's not statistically significant, but I think there's going to be some really important bits that we'll be able to pick out as part of this. Mm. So, 
let's let's kind of get into it first of all. Can I have a question here, real quick. Did you do it? Did you? Uh, do say it? Again. Did you complete? Um, did I? I feel like I did, but I can't now remember exactly what I put down. I feel like I did. Yeah, because when you're making it, like uh, everyone should know, shout out to Peter, he put this together. Um, you'd know if I'd put it together, it would be one spelt wrong, there'd only be three questions. Um, but it's, I suppose when you're doing it and doing it and doing it, you kind of feel like you've done it, but you've not actually done it. I'd be interested, I was just interested to see if you did it. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, no, no matter what, James, I'll kind of give like a few sort of like insights into a couple of bits while, while we're going yeah. through. We're going through. So, um, a couple of quick things. The vast majority of uh, occupation groups that responded were actually in construction. So we had pretty much, if we think about kind of like the the responses, about a third uh, had come back and said that they were from construction as part of this. It's quite interesting to see the different sort of groups of people that do respond. But I think it goes construction, uh, consultancy, and then manufacturing are kind of the top three that have responded as part of this. But we've had a huge range of different uh, occupation groups respond. Some of them don't have enough to kind of be able to to do a lot of insights into. If people are interested, I'll try and bring together a bit of a LinkedIn carousel actually on this, James, after this episode. And we'll, we'll, we'll put that out and kind of get a bit of a conversation going in the comments as well. Um, the questions, uh, I'll be completely honest, be completely honest, James. The first part of the, the survey, which is more about the feelings, is a bit inspired by the 1 million lives checking mm -hmm. type of bit. I kind of looked at some of the questions on there and thought, actually, th these look pretty good, but I'd quite like to see a slightly different edge to it. There's an element there that, from a language and semantics point of view, are you actually asking something that's significantly different? There is a kind of a, a discussion in there for another time. But fundamentally, it's trying to really understand the subjectivity behind how are people feeling? Mm. What's what's kind of driving us from that side? So the first question we wanted to know was, over the last month, I have felt in good spirits and optimistic. And it went from not at all, sometimes less than half the month, more than half the month, and most of the month. And actually looking at it, James, the majority of people say that for most of the month, they felt in good spirits and optimistic, which is yep. great, like really yep. good. Bit of context, um, this had finished on the 15th of January. The last month does also include Christmas. So to be honest with you, I'm quite happy to see that even in the context of Christmas and the new year, actually, yeah, the general positivity is pretty high. Pretty high. Mm. Um, what what kind of, what, what are your thoughts in terms of the split? Because we've got kind of the majority of people said most of the month. Then the next one is less than half the month, then more than half the month. Then sometimes they're not at all. The not a, the not at all stands out to me. Like there's the two yeah. people have put that. Oh, was it two? Oh, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong one. Hang on. Uh, so we've got eleven eleven percent um, have said. Oh, sorry, not, yeah. Not at all yeah. So four people put they don't feel in good spirits and optimistic, and it and it to be honest, it's it's the not at alls that stick out to me all the way through like they're low they're low numbers yeah. on most of them they are low numbers but i think i feel that like i don't know i just felt i felt like the person those people were just trying to kind of reach out and just say do you know what I mean like if you come off the back of christmas into a new job uh or not a new job sorry into your job 
maybe even a new job, whatever, but you're coming into the new year and you don't feel in good spirits and optimistic, um, it's going to be a long year, you know? So that, that just kind yeah. of stuck out at me a lot. And then you got five, five people then put sometimes, say sometimes over the last month I felt, <clears throat> I felt that they're good spirits and optimistic. I don't know, just I've five, that's nine people that, that generally over the month are quite often not feeling very optimistic and in good spirits. I, I totally agree. And looking at kind of some of the sort of information on there, if we take those four people, actually nearly all of them have put the either not at all or sometimes for all of the questions as part oh, of that, yeah, okay. which indicates it's actually quite a bit of a pattern. Um, two of those are from the public sector. Uh, and three of them are in 46 to 55. Are in what, sorry? Three of 46 them. to 55 right. as an age range. So these people that are at predominantly advisor level, that have potentially been employed for quite some time as part of it. It's interesting looking at, actually, if we take kind of some of the, the later questions as part of this as well, if we look at relating to your work, what's keeping you up at night? actually a lot of these people do start to look at things like toxic leadership and a lack of mm. understanding seems to be quite prominent throughout their their open text questions yeah yeah i think that theme of actually not being understood or not feeling like you've been understood as mm. a safety professional permeating through how you're feeling generally but this is again it's not scientific there's no chi squared test attached to this but thematically it does seem to be driving lower results yeah. across the board which is a shame and i mean if you look at that word cloud on question 20 what's keeping you up at night like <clears throat> yeah fatal risk keeping me up but in the same box and obviously it's not the same person but fatal risk keeping me up at night as well as budget restrictions and yeah. it's just like those two real conflicting things. It's like, can you imagine having budget restrictions, but also not being able to sleep at night because you're worried someone might die in your workplace? And ultimately, like, the fatal risk thing for me, I think, is really interesting. Like, the and, and I'm not saying we're the only profession that has this. I think any any profession has, has their own form of this. But ultimately, it's, if a life is lost at work, the entire business, if you're a safety professional within a business, the entire business kind of just turns and looks at the safety department and just kind of yeah. says, what do we do? And also, I think there's a sense of failure in there. I think, I, I don't know, I, yeah. I, that's how I would feel. Like if a client rang me now and yeah. said someone had died at uh, one of our clients, I would, I would feel a sense of failure. But ultimately, like yeah. the world we live in is so complex, you know, we're never going to manage everything. And ultimately, there's probably there is always going to be something you come across. I, I totally agree. And th that what you've just said that we can't manage everything, but we, we literally can't. If I look through these open text questions relating to your work, what's keeping you up at night? Uncertainty mm. is in so many of these answers now oh, be that for example uncertainty in markets the next big oh, right, okay yeah if you click on the the response it'll, it'll oh, show no, you yeah. as part of this as well fear of failing uh let's say the next big one not knowing what's coming next uh trying to think of what to do next staring at the challenges ahead of me 
making sure the work is there, imposter syndrome, lack of understanding. I jeez. <laughs> Sorry, there's a funny one to do as well. Sorry. There is what there is one. I mean, on on the plus positive side, there is a good one here. Nothing relating to work. It's my wife snoring. <laughs> Thank God that this is anonymous. That's what you were talking really serious, and I'm looking through, and then I saw that one, and I was like, "Oh, that I'm I'm gone. Sorry, sorry. That was really, really no, weird. no, no. I, I get you. The on that uncertainty. I mean, what? Jeez, it's so rough. As a safety yeah. professional, we're expected to not be a walking encyclopedia but to ultimately be ready to respond in an instant, no matter what the issue is, no matter what the challenge is, the scale of the challenge, the scope of the challenge, we're, 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 anti- we're expected to respond. Yeah, that's part and parcel of the job. Yeah. But actually seeing how much it's keeping people up at night with that uncertainty of how to respond reactively, jeez, mm. there's, there's a, the weight of that the stress that that can cause. Well, there's what, what, how do you feel about that, James? It's just so much in here, isn't there? That, oh, so much in here that I relate to as well. Like, I'm going, yep, felt that, yep, feeling that, yep, felt that, yep, feeling that yeah. kind of thing. <clears throat> the one that sticks out here, the potential burnout of colleagues in a startup working all hours to get a product out the door. So this person is not worried, uh, is not being kept up about themselves. They're being kept up, they're taking on the weight of everyone else in this startup. Like I'm worried that yeah. they're working, they're all working too hard and that's keeping them up. That that to me is like, what a lovely person ultimately, but yeah. ultimately you're going to crack under the weight of your own empathy in a way. Because... Um, if that business gets bigger and bigger and bigger and all of a sudden you become, you know, 700 employees and you've still got that beautiful empathetic kind of approach. And yeah, I don't know if empathy is the right word I've used. No, I think it is. I think it is. I think it's absolutely. Yeah. But like, if you still got that beautiful kind of personality, which is amazing, but like sometimes you do kind of have to be a bit selfish at the same time. And, um, yeah. And then there's a similar one that I just read. Um, so yeah, a workload, incomplete task is fi- task. Thinking of ideas and how to improve engagement, health and safety, and my own development. That literally sounds like me. So I get into bed and my brain is just like, "Oh, here's all the shit you forgot to do today. Oh, and here's some cool yeah. ideas that we can do tomorrow. Oh, and here's some other problems to worry about." Kind of like your brain just kind of takes that second when you've relaxed and you've switched off to then go. Yeah and unload everything so start you start thinking of everything um i mean yeah. my solution was get some sleeping headphones so that i just escape into a different world but um it there's a lot in here that i can um really relate to but i just i don't know i just feel like do you know what, do you know what i don't know this might be controversial right but the thing that's sticking out to me, right, is that if I go on LinkedIn now, I feel like everyone's trying to be my coach. Every single post, <laughs> yeah. every yeah. single post is is some fucking like coachy statement or a quote about being better today than you are yesterday, something. Right? And I get that yeah. those people are trying to do that to be nice and helpful. I get it. I, I totally get it. 
I, I, I think there's an unintended consequence though to all of that kind of coachy stuff in that mm-hmm. actually what you feel like, if you're these people, you're struggling to sleep, you're getting kept up by all of these things and you go on there, you don't read that statement and go, yeah, that's true. What you do is you look at that yeah. person who's the coach and say, God, they're doing their job and they're having time to come on here and coach me. They're so much better than me. Like, I don't need LinkedIn to be a coach. I need LinkedIn to be what it used to be, which was a community where we all talk to each other, we share problems, we help each other. I don't need every single person to be my bloody coach every time I turn LinkedIn on. That's been on my mind for a very long time. I needed to get it off my chest, and it felt like the right moment, okay? If that's off topic, I apologize. But that's kind of what, that was what was coming to mind as I was reading them. I don't think it is off topic at all. James, when when, it, when I think about what's the main platform that's used for professionals to speak to each other, it's LinkedIn. Like it is LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the only good platform, and I'm using good perhaps in inverted commas here because it's all we've got, um, to, to properly get far-reaching, wide engagement with other safety professionals. Yeah. In some respect, I've had to take a step back from LinkedIn, James, yeah. because it it's it feels almost overwhelming yeah. to see people that are doing like, on on the surface of it really well. It's it's, yeah. it's really tough. I had the same issue coming out of uni and seeing a lot of my friends on Instagram who were like going on loads of holidays and doing all this and that, and mm. I'm just like, Jesus wept. I'm eating pot noodles and I have to eat at work because I can't afford to eat at home. <laughs> like mm. it's it's really tough. No. really really tough to see that that comparison um that was in the past now right? you're not eating pot yeah, from, yeah no, no 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 i'm not eating pot no, 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 <laughs> just to clarify come on james it's super noodles now um, but yeah no it's it, it's hard because you you feel especially i think generationally moving from seeing comparisons on Instagram and seeing all of this kind of social media, fantastic stuff over Facebook to Instagram to TikTok, see all the amazing people doing that. And then to go on LinkedIn and just being like, Jesus Christ, I'm a failure. Cause I just, it's, it's hard not to compare yourself. Yeah, but when is. I look at these questions that have been answered from the open text bit, and I look at something as simple as sleep. So over the last month, my sleep has made me feel rested, restored and ready for the day. Yeah, and you've got two thirds of answers, and not saying more than half the month or most of the month. So yeah. less than fifty percent of a month, less than fifteen days out of a month, you've got two thirds of people. Seven of which, so you, sorry, seven percent, about seven people. So what? That's uh, geez, quick maths here, like thirty percent, like just under thirty percent or so, are saying not at all. Mm-hmm. If you're not hovering, getting, it gives you the percentage. Oh, yeah, no, it does. Oh, geez. 19%. Not 30, 20%. Yeah, 19%. 19%. Sorry. Oh, uh, maths is terrible. One in five. One in five people don't feel like in the last month that their sleep has made them feel rested, restored, and ready for the day. And, and that will, like, biologically, Jeez. that'll catch up with you. But, but, like, even just in your own, like, I mean, I got a three-year-old, and, and I, I haven't slept well for for years. But like, you kind of get you 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 adjust and, and all of that stuff, and you have a young kid and, and all of that stuff. I, I get that, but then 
you do start getting your sleep back. And now I'm starting my, my daughter's three now. So like she's starting to sleep through the night. So stuff like that, I can really tell. But what I can tell even more is when she doesn't have a settled, settled night. So if she comes in our bed and she's unsettled, maybe she's ill or something, I can really tell now the next day. It feels like I've got a yeah. newborn all over again kind of thing. And it made me realize actually the other day, like how important that sleep is. Like it just knocks my entire day off. So now we've got... Yeah like what two thirds like you say feeling like that more than half the month like and how yeah. long how long does that go on for like if that's not child related you know like a temporary a temporary thing mm-hmm. um <laughs> granted your, your partner might be snoring your head off but but ultimately if that's yeah. not like a temporary thing if that goes on for a long time it's going to take a big big toll and then you go to work and you got toxic leadership or never-ending to-do list or something else or whatever it is or just a normal safety professional crushed under the weight of responsibility yeah it's just madness it is you you mentioned before about empathy mm. as as a profession i think health and safety press is a big generalization here health and safety professionals are naturally empathetic we want to help people. We go into the function, the job, the roles to either prevent injury or ill health and or promote or enhance health at the same time. Right? It's, 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 a, it's a profession that is underpinned by that desire to help fundamentally mm-hmm. through and through. But I think that often comes at the expense of ourselves. If I think about how mm-hmm. many health and safety professionals that, let's take something really simple, James, development when they don't have time other than trying to do basic bits of cpd that they can now get from just sitting on a one-hour session right for something and wiggling the mouse to make sure that they get the certificate at the end of it just sort of like clocking in clocking out doing emails doing bits and bobs i don't think a lot of health and safety professionals feel like they can prioritize themselves that they can prioritize their development that they can prioritize even just their well-being because they feel like it comes at the expense of helping the business, helping the team, helping deliver on the expectations that they've been hired for. Yeah. It's so then you and, do and it. That, then you do yeah. it at home instead, right? And then it comes at the expense of being a good mum or a good dad or a good husband or a good wife or good yeah. partner, boyfriend, whatever. It, it, it comes at the expense of of, of something. Like ever, I've probably come to realise over the years, like everything in life is a trade off. If you're doing something, there's something you're not doing. Yeah. So then you go onto LinkedIn, and I'm, this is this is where this gets really hard, right? Because you want people to share their success like if your new year's resolution last year was to read 500 books and you did it like you want to shout from the rooftops and 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 actually i think most people in my linkedin community would really want to support you and celebrate that win Mm. right but if if my new year's resolution was to read 100 books and i failed and i only read 50 and then i see that somebody read 500 books and this is a real simple example just because um just because i needed something simple to explain it you feel a failure. So this is where this gets really hard now because people need to celebrate, but ultimately celebration in front of someone who's struggling becomes exacerbation for that person who's struggling. If that kind of makes sense. It it does. And that celebration of success is something I think safety professionals struggle with. I mean, if I look at the, so then there were two sections to this survey first question I say was focused on uh, feelings and the second section was kind of like a self-directed self 
reflection type of exercise. So we had 22 people answer the next set of questions. So uh, the first one was kind of like tick all that apply, right? And it was almost kind of uh, reflective statements, such as, for example, I've set myself goals to achieve. Um, I understand what things I need uh, to have in order to achieve success. I have easy access to those things in order to achieve success. The questions, the statements that were not agreed with the most, right? To bear in mind, 22 people, only four people said, I praise myself when I complete a task. Four people said, I have defined uh, a defined schedule of when I will undertake my development. Yeah. Four people said, I have a benchmark, which I'm basing my personal development against. Yeah. That does not scream to me a profession oh. that has either the capacity to prioritize themselves, but to only see four people out of 22 that would praise themselves when they complete a task. I'm not saying that we should give ourselves participation medals. I'm not saying that we should have that level of devaluing success. But blimey days, in everything that we've just talked about there, about how it feels a bit overwhelming, about how it feels like there's this never-ending battle for delivering on expectations, I do wonder if not taking a step back and just thinking, bloody hell, I've done a good job today, is actually having a profound negative impact on how we feel about ourselves and how we are able to rationalise managing our work and managing that workload and even just being able to say, actually, hang on a second, as a professional, I, I don't feel like I should celebrate this and actually have a conversation with the line manager to think, why not? Actually, as a team, as someone in a team, a team member, fundamentally, be that at an executive level, be that at kind of a director level, be it kind of if you're an advisor, a manager, you still will have a line manager. You'd have to be in a really shit place for your line manager not to want to see you be happy or to celebrate the positive work that you've done. Yeah. But we just don't talk about it. I do think that what um, there's a YouTube channel called Better Ideas, which I don't know if you've ever watched him, uh, but no, he, no, no. his channel is, a, is really good. And I will like not watch him for six months and then I'll watch him for nonstop for like two months because yeah. I'll get to a point where like I've, I've watched a couple of his videos and then I'm like, okay, yeah. So I get back into my like, I don't know, routine of being more mindful and some, all of those bits, right? Uh, and then I fall out of it because life takes over, right? Like, you, you know, yeah. if you're going to say, I don't know, I'm going to journal every day and put in there like gratitude and celebration, but you got to find 10 minutes in your day, every single day or every other day or whatever. I don't think you should journal every day if you don't want to, but whatever. Um, it becomes hard, right? But one of his videos, yeah. uh, which I have lost count of how many times I um, – have watched is called how to get out of a rut quickly right because i often find yeah. i fall into ruts oh like my brain goes in like peaks and troughs i'm like highs and lows there's no in between in a, in, a, in a way so i will end up getting in sometimes staying in a prolonged period of just being grumpy and not celebrating those things and like get overwhelmed by yeah. loads of stuff and anything and when I get into that rut, I always watch video. And there's one thing that, that I think I've found myself doing consistently now, 
which is celebrating all the little things. So less celebrating the big mm-hmm. things. Like the big things happen, and I think automatically the big things feel comfortable to celebrate, and you do celebrate. So if you just pass your yeah. diploma, you probably do go out to the pub naturally or get a takeaway or, or whatever it is that you, you can tell oh, I celebrate with food and drink. But like whatever <laughs> it is to celebrate, that that's kind of what you do, right? But what we don't do is celebrate the little things. So it's a really good, simple example of what I will do is you if I've been to the gym on the day and I, I like, I'll allow myself to have a chocolate bar or something like that. And it's not about, yeah. like, I don't know what everyone else's brains are like, but mine is very much extreme. So if I'm like, right, I'm either fitness or fatness, right. It's like a running joke I have at the gym. They're like the two things I have. So if I'm in fitness mode, no chocolate, no beers, no, like I'm, but it doesn't work. So I just go on the wagon, off the wagon, on the wagon, off the wagon. But actually if you yeah. just find that kind of like, no, I've been to the gym actually. So I can have a kebab tonight or I've been to the gym. I can have, a, you know, a Snickers or something. Just those little celebrations I think are really, really yeah. important. I don't think we yeah. celebrate the little things well enough. Do you think that the reason that we don't celebrate the little things though is partly related to how we set boundaries, limits, or kind of our own self-expectations? Like if, yeah. if we, do, do we challenge ourselves enough maybe to say, Am I celebrating the law? Am I am I doing enough to make me feel good about this? Am I doing enough that links to my own kind of values, my own kind of beliefs behind it? Well, like good is expected, right? Like I can't oh. remember. I can't oh, remember. James, yes, yes. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally, on the, so I'm going to jump in for a second, right? Because safety is a profession and a job and a function that's defined by the absence of things going wrong. Mm. Good is zero standard right? yeah. in the sense that like you give it the status quo right things mm. are just ticking over not not zero harm but like you just things are at status quo mm. then things are good and actually when you spend every day every day celebrating nothing going wrong yeah i'm not celebrating bit, going wrong. boring right just feel like whoa nothing happened today crack open a beer <laughs> <laughs> yeah. maybe that's maybe that's it but also in in life and in general work good is expected you think how like yeah. most reward systems work in in work is is beyond so where the the good is expected thing came from was was an old boss of mine right so it had like a you know like an appraisal or a one-to-one right and yeah. um and i, I kind of challenged him where it was kind of like i was always hit this kind of this good markers you'd have like middle of the road and then you would have like good and then you would have exceeds expectations or something and my bonus or whatever or a pay rise would always sit in exceed expectation and it gets to the point where it'd be like okay i'm always sitting in this good like i I never exceed the expectations like can we start to draw some clear framework on like where the fucking exceed expectations framework line is um yes and then and we ended up having this big conversation and 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 he said this one line where he went went, ultimately james right good is expected and i was like oh that's interesting and i don't think i i really pondered on it enough at the time but as i kind of gone through life it's kind of like the negative sticks out so much because good is expected, right? So a good standard yeah. of everything that we do is expected of us. So we, we don't celebrate the little things because it's expected of us. So like me and Sherry have this conversation. I don't know whether this is a good comparison, so it might not be, but me and Sherry have this conversation. I'm a morning person and she's not a morning person, right? 
So she struggles to get up in the morning, but I don't struggle to get up in the morning. Typically, sometimes I'm lying, but typically I'm wide awake at like six and I'm, I'm up and about. So that is kind of celebrated within society. That's what everyone talks about. If you need to be successful, like get, get up at four, you know, like and by the time you're up at nine, I've already finished a whole working day. Whoa, and just like, f- fuck off. Right. And I get up early and I still think most people can fuck off. Right? Yeah. But that's kind of celebrated. So now what's happened is, is that's accepted as society as good. So now if you don't get up early, ultimately it becomes not good. So you just having a yeah. different to say to circadian, circadian, that rhythm thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Than, than what's socially kind of celebrated, which has been celebrated for so long it becomes good, then now every day you wake up and you've already failed. Yeah. So like this good is expected thing, it's just like, actually we've made it so hard now for us to fail because the standard of good has become higher and higher and higher and higher. You know, everyone's got a side hustle. Everyone's doing this. Everyone's doing that. You know, everyone's got really interesting hobbies and they've also got kids and they're on Instagram and they've got this. And just like, fucking hell, the standard of good now is just, whoa. And I feel like I contribute to that sometimes in that we, we've done a lot at Risk Fluent and, and Rebounding Safety. And we, we only celebrate, we only share the good stuff like i don't go i didn't go on linkedin last year and say actually guys 2023 on paper was a great year but i've really fucking struggled last year like found it really really hard it was probably the hardest year of my entire life um i couldn't tell you why i couldn't put a finger on because when i tell people about it they're like what but this and i'm like yeah but that but yeah that's on paper it's amazing but in my head it just wasn't um i don't put that on linkedin because if i put that on linkedin a customer might go Look at hell. Look at what with him. Jesus. Sounds depressing. You know, she's not doing very well. So I, I understand why we don't, but I, I'm 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 just I'm stuck in it. I'm saying a lot of words here, not really making a lot of sense, but ultimately I'm I'm worried that the standard for good is really high. We never we never say when we're kind of struggling or we need help. Um we probably don't have enough private communities for us to do that. I like what Safe Tribe are doing, it's kind of what we tried to yeah. do with the network and all of that. I think they're all really clever little groups and I think they'll help. Um, but it, I just, I feel like people don't really have a space where they can go and, and celebrate or ask for help. I, I totally agree. There's at a professional level, we've got an issue right, with this. It is really challenging to talk about big issues that happen in work. So if you, for example, have had quite a significant near miss or you've had a significant hazard, Mm. unless you know someone to a good enough level who isn't a competitor that you can reach out to and say, we've had this issue. Have you guys had a similar thing? What did you do about it? You are completely isolated. You are on your own and it fucking sucks because you, especially if you're quite green, if you are a team of one, but a team of a hundred, you're expected to deliver a good outcome, but mm. you feel completely isolated to talk to anyone about it from a purely yeah. technical point of view. Now, don't get me wrong, you can reach out to a consultant who's got more experience in that, but it costs money, it costs time, it mm. costs effort. And that's not always an option for people. Yeah. You don't have that luxury of just saying to someone on retainer, we've had this issue, guys, what did you do about it? It just doesn't always happen. Um, no. Certainly when I was even sort of like a, a health and safety kind of like my first job in health and safety 
geez, I remember having a really significant issue and the operations team made me feel like I couldn't reach out to the wider safety team because it would make them look bad. Yeah. I literally, I remember having, making a particular decision um, to, to stop a certain item being used in a nightclub that would generate a lot of income. And the head of operations turned around and said, you stopping doing this is costing people their job in Africa because the EBITDA that we produce supports lower performing businesses in other parts of our global organization. And every day that you are disallowing us to continue doing our standard operation, you are costing us money and you are costing people their jobs. Can you live with that? I was 22, 23. I'm like, fuck me. Yeah. When I got up this morning, did I think that a health and safety decision was going to call into question someone's job in Africa? Christ, mm. no. Yeah. No, and it was, oh, God, Jane. I mean, it was fortunate in some respects that after about a week, I'll be honest with you, I, I just I kind of kept it to myself for a week because I just didn't know what to do. I didn't have, I was, I was literally too green to know what, what to do that I did actually then reach out to the wider global safety team and just said, so this has happened. This is my decision. I've stuck to my guns, but I feel really bad about it. And they went ballistic. Went absolutely ballistic and they kind of got various other people involved with it which is something that i should have done in the i should have just done it in the first place but jesus christ james I, for that week especially kind of being quite green in my career i didn't know i did, just didn't feel like i could do any different because what if my superiors said the same thing what if the whole purpose of the business was to keep the profit going and actually what if they agreed and I built it up so much in my head that I was almost paralyzed to reach out for help and to reach out for support. So I, I have real sympathy for people who have started their career. They've got the NEBOSH certificate. They've got the first initial qualification. They've jumped into a, the first proper safety role and they don't have that community. They don't have the network. They don't have the expertise to reach out to. Jesus Christ, it must be so isolating for that individual who just wants to do a good job. That what we've seen, they've got the empathy. They want to see people survive at the most yeah. basic level. Oh God, I, the pressure that they must feel under must be astronomical. And also like, I think, I think to add on to that, I think there's, there's more to it. I think there is something that we, I'm just trying to find if I put it on the website, cause it's kind of a running joke for me, but hmm. yeah. So in on the website, right. And I think this is probably quite unique to safety. Maybe one or two other people have this. But my professional, if you go on about about us, there's a bit about the team, and you can you can meet everyone. And, and you know, we're like we like I, I like to keep everything kind of like fun and, and have a laugh. Whilst we do it, kind of thing. But I'll put professional passion um, to rebrand safety so that people will actually talk to me in the pub, like, and and that's a joke, but it's not. It's not a joke. Never a true word spoken in jest. My mother-in-law always says to me, um, yeah. but that that she's right on that point for sure. Is that if you're a builder and you have a bad day, like my mates are all traders, right? So if my mate Adam has a bad day, he's everyone can relate to what what his bad day is like. Like yeah. I never could at least relate enough to have a conversation. No one asks me about my work if they're not in safety. No one. Not, not one, because they don't understand it. Like, and and people, I think if you, 
I think I've understood this more since going self-employed, but going self-employed and networking with a lot of businesses, it is surprising actually how how much people really still don't understand what we do. Mm. And that to the point where they can't entertain a conversation about it. They don't know what to talk about. And and so people really struggle to have a conversation with a safety professional. So now not only are you alone in your profession, you're alone in your job. Also, none of your mates can relate to what you do. So you can't go to the pub and chat with them either. And it's, I don't know, I'm just speaking from my own feelings now, I suppose, is that I can relate to that. Like that is one of the reasons I started Rebound and Safety was because it just felt exhaustingly lonely. I think it's a really lonely profession, safety. Yeah, I agree. I, I completely agree. There was a, um, a an article that I did a couple of years ago now for IOSH where I literally said the same thing. It can feel incredibly isolated. It can feel very lonely. In theory, we're never, we're never alone when we're in safety because we've got the safety professionals. But to the point that we've just been talking about, if the networks don't exist, if you're not having the kind of the ability to even have the conversation and even just chat about stuff, you're still mm. going to feel isolated. You're still yeah. going to feel isolated behind it. So yeah. communities and networks are so important for just kind of bridging, bridging those gaps, kind of get feeling potentially even just less overwhelmed because you give yourself a benchmark, you give yourself a comparison. Mm. Yes, comparison with the thief joy. Yes, nothing is going to be exactly the same. But even just being able to talk to someone who's gone through something similar in safety yeah. is going to be useful. Mm. I mean, I was having another look just through some of these uh, yeah, sort of questions bit behind stuff. And when we kind of look at what, what, how do people feel about what they do for a job? I mean, we had 13 responses. I'm uh, literally reading through them now as well. <laughs> and there's some really positive. People talk about the passion that they have. It's really confusing, actually, because if you, if you like, the first half of the survey kind of paints a really negative picture. But then on the second half of the survey, question 15, I'm happy and fulfilled in my job. Um, happy is 45%. Fulfilled is 35%. There was multiple boxes, so you could tick, uh, for example, happy and fulfilled. You could do happy and unfulfilled. You could actually, even right, if you wanted okay. to, tick happy and unhappy at the same time. So you didn't just have to tick one, if that makes sense. You could tick tick kind of quite a few. There's a big like difference there in that. I uh, granted, I know we lost a few people. They didn't do the second half, but ultimately, still, the numbers are disproportionately in happy and fulfilled there. And then you go into. Um, how do people feel about their job? Yeah. Overwhelmingly, uh, it is like, love it, love the people, wouldn't do anything else. Absolutely. It's it's, re it's really positive. People that have responded, at least in this survey, despite how they might be feeling from a workload point of view or in terms of some of the negativity that we've seen before about themselves, are still really positive about the profession, about the job itself. Like, they do feel really positive toward it in terms of, broadly how it makes them feel i think there's there is something though that might well become a bigger factor over the next five years especially for larger employers and um, have you heard of passion tax before no so a passion tax is effectively you as a professional or a member of staff will deliver discretionary effort so discretionary effort is above and beyond expectations Right. Yeah. It could be simple things like, for example, you organize a Christmas quiz 
in work through to the fact that you might spend an extra half an hour at the end of every day beyond your standard nine to five doing an extra bit of work because you want to do it. You want to give that effort as part of it. And the passion tax basically says that after doing this for so long, the discretionary effort isn't recognized, it's not rewarded, and you effectively get exploited for being the person that delivers discretionary effort because they are so passionate about what they do. Personally, from from kind of what, what, again, albeit anecdotal research that I've done, um, there's a lot of people in that kind of 55 plus bracket that are feeling that they've paid a lot of passion tax. And actually, they're feeling like that passion isn't rewarded, that the tax mm. element of the passion tax is too much. And actually, those people that are in that 55 plus bracket are reaching the end of their career. We know from the census that there's a huge amount of safety professionals in there. And they get into a point where they've seen what they've delivered. They've not necessarily seen businesses change at a maturity level point of view. And they're kind of thinking, what's the point? Why am I killing myself? Why am I half killing myself? Why am I not getting yep. sleep yep. every like half of the month for a business that doesn't care about me for how much I care about it? Mm. And at that point, these individuals are thinking, I'm not going to stay in this business. Hell, I'm not even stay in the career. Hell, I'm not even stay with my professional body because what the hell's the point? Why should I? Mm-hmm. Why should I? So for those employers that are thinking, right, we know that we've got a bit of turn sort of changeover at this time of the year. We know that we've got a bit of an aging workforce. Think very carefully about how your staff are paying the passion tax, those long-termers that have provided the stability within your teams. Are they being treated the way that they need to be treated to stay? Because I'll be honest with you, James, my prediction for 2024, a lot of them are going to be thinking, screw this, I've done enough. I'm going to find something else. And I think by the end of this year, we'll see a lot of people in that 55 plus bracket think, I'm done with safety. Mm. I'm done. done." And that's not meant to sound negative. But looking at the census data, thinking about, for example, some of the things that we've seen in this survey response for that age bracket as well, I I think employers should be focused on it. They should be on their radar of flight risks. But what are we... What is a profession not doing right then that, that demonstrates? So there's a, there's a question in here. So, um, so how do you feel about your job? It's part of a bigger purpose. It can get frustrating when others don't see the value of H&S or would rather do a generic system for a third, for a third of the price and then leave it on the shelf. Is it just about compliance? It's about business growth and sustainable business growth. HS might not save money in quotations but it certainly can stop a waste of money whoever that person is very much aligned with how we try to promote safety with our customers be it big global transformational projects or like small partnerships with like tiny five people businesses at the core of it is about what we're doing should contribute to the success of the operations the excellence of that operations is is what we're trying to achieve here but that that brand that perception is 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 not out there um and, and it very much is still this kind of tick the box paperwork and and I, and I know that people will be like no it's not it's the policeman things kind of gone and the, you know the, it's not like it still exists particularly in construction and you know yeah. overwhelming 
amount of people in, from construction on this survey and a, and a good amount of people who are like really bummed out by what they're doing um yeah and, and i just i just think that like maybe our professional bodies plural have a lot more to do here to to change that brand and, mm. and i just i just don't see any more effort other than from individuals to, to really try and change that perception I, I totally agree there's it, it's a really weird relationship between employers and professional bodies um, and that mm. often comes through in recruitment so how many times james have you seen a, a job advert that says we desire someone who is now cert iosh moving to uh chartered status or we want someone on that professional journey recently or like all the time like just, just, just a very generalized just type yeah it's just standard yeah pretty standard right how many of those organizations do we think when the individual actually joins it will say right we said that we desired you to be on this professional journey here's a development plan that'll help you get there let's work it out together how many yeah. of them do you think follow up with that straight away yeah yeah probably quite, I, I, this is a gross generalization here but in my own experience very few <laughs> very few yeah. And then when we think, right, okay, well, let's look at it from the complete picture. How do the professional bodies then say, right, how are we supporting employers to then deliver on the expectations that they've set out in their recruitment process mm -hmm. for retention and success of candidates? Yeah. Even fewer still, right, I'm yeah. going to bet. So at a very base level, if we look, right, how, how can we potentially fix this? We need better development that prioritizes the individuals that have been hired from a retention and success point of view. We need professional bodies across the board in health and safety to deliver more support for employers on actually what does development retention and success look like in the context of professional growth. I think we need to see more employers give flexibility to health and safety departments. Now that's not necessarily the same as autonomy. I'm not saying kind of like give all health and safety departments blank checkbooks and kind of carte blanche, do what you want but there needs to be some more flexibility to say, actually, we've got a safety plan, we've got a budget, but how would you feel, for example, about personal flexibility for your own work-life balance? How would you feel about, for example, delivering some form of micro-experiment project related to proactive safety, as much as kind of keeping the good, the expectations of good, as part of the status quo the same? Where's, where's, where's the flexibility to allow the creativity of safety professionals to thrive it's not fucking there at the moment james yeah. and it's shit because we're a creative bunch we're problem solvers it's in our it's in our dna to do as part of the job but we're not given that even within our own profession we don't we don't drive that like yeah the employer is the employer is kind of i don't know gets a benefit out of it right so there's like a weighted kind of benefit from that um but ultimately yeah. like our prof our cpd like is it's not CPD. Like I know I've joked about this before, but it genuinely is just like continual professional reminding. Like we're just going through yeah. the same shit over and over and over again. There's no one actually kind of, yeah. I say no one. There's, there's, there's a small community maybe of, of people that are genuinely trying to like test boundaries yeah. and be like, can we do, can we think about doing this differently? But ultimately okay. like they're a minority of a minority. Do you know what I'd love to see, James, right? It's a, a day-long event where we could get 
people from different sectors or maybe just even the same sector, safety professionals, operations leaders, supply chain managers, general managers, whatever it's going to be, saying we wanted to do a project on reducing accident numbers or improving DSE and ergonomics or improving adherence to manual handling techniques or reducing the impact of vehicle and pedestrian interfaces in the warehouse. This is where it worked. This is where it was really shit. Here's our learnings from it. Take it away. Let us know what you do. Let's come back in a month and let's discuss what we've kind of started. Let's kind of track it from that point of view. That is continual professional development, in my opinion. Mm. You are learning from the actual practical application of safety for the stuff that's actually going to injure people and hurt people. You're learning from it. You're learning how to apply it. You're creating a network to learn from as part of it. And you're then delivering it in your own workplace. That, James, it's, it's so simple. Why yeah. doesn't it exist? Yeah. Why, why, why aren't professional bodies across the board facilitating this type of learning mm. as much as we possibly can? Why yeah. don't we have businesses that are joining together to try and help others learn to prevent people getting killed or injured? It yeah. seems like it makes so much sense, but there's so little out there. There's so yeah. little out there, and it it it's it's frustrating as hell ultimately as well what i would add is that from my experience of running the network and then also just kind of talking to amy amy briefly from safe tribe and i don't want to talk for her so i'm talking more more from my experience not sure the profession as a collective is either in the financial position to be part of a community because ultimately like I know people may may not understand but like the amount of work that goes into running a membership like that like a community like yeah. safe tribe or like the network is surprisingly a lot of work oh, and I totally believe it and those people those platforms the apps the web pages all of this stuff that even just transferring payments cost money like all of this stuff costs money and time and effort from those people running those things so there has to be a charge for these for these things now if if the people running it can try and find a way to subsidize that charge great and i, and I think the prices that amy has is just amazing like how she how she gets those prices that low i don't know but like ultimately like i think it's a bargain the safe tribe and it's it's a great place to go and, and get a bit of a bit of support and maybe build build stronger I'm I'm still relatively new in the community, so I'm not 100 percent sure on like that. But ultimately, like from what I experienced when we were in when we were in the network and previously called Project Malian, like it was amazing. It was amazing. People paid a good chunk of money for that, um, and and I think that people hopefully got some value from it from what they threw back to us. But my vibe is that the profession don't value it. Or they think that they don't value it, or they haven't got the money to value it. I don't know. Probably a combination of the both. But ultimately, like we did, used to get compared to. Well, why would I do that? I've, I've got IOSH and double RSM. This is different. This is about proper development. Yeah, but no one's asking me to do that. I just need a certificate from this webinar. So there is that kind of like they sweep. We think they need it, but do they actually want it? So I, I think that they do. Um, there is, I can't, I don't know if I can mention the name of it cause I'm not, cause I'm not going to, um, but there's one group in the food manufacturing side of the, of the business or in the business, sorry, in the industry and the profession who get together at a director level, um, in Chatham house rules to talk through 
events and issues that have happened and kind of what the challenges were that they found and then what what they kind of did as part of it. It's not necessarily very secretive from that point of view. Those kind of in the manufacturing industry will probably know which one I'm talking about. Um, but the cost of attending that is literally to cover the costs of the room hire, right, as part of it and just kind of like refreshments and things. And um, with the basis being that it's all about the communication and it's less about kind of the profitability behind it. It's about bringing people together. I think that that's a really good initiative and it's not knocking it in any capacity because the people who I've spoken to in it find it very useful and find it very beneficial, but there's absolutely nothing in comparison for those who are at like are at advisor level, those who are at like just a single site manager level type of thing. Yeah. It's completely reliant on trickle down safety and trickle down information and trickle down knowledge sharing, yeah. which, which never work. doesn't, work in the greatest possible sort of respect that it does work from kind of a direct peer to peer at that very high level from, from every it's, it's been going a very long time I, I know again from people in it that have said they find it very useful from that peer to peer point of view but i tell you what christ i especially as advisor and sort of as manager and as even a relatively isolated group health and safety manager i would have loved to have seen something similar where I could just kind of, I just want to learn, James. I don't want to fuck it up. I don't want to miss out on something. I don't want to have to wait for the next kind of, this has been no disrespect to Barber here, but a legal update from Barber or a legal update from a local branch meeting in a health and safety profession with a legal update to tell me something about a case. Like I want to find out what's happened in the industry the month or the two months before that actually might happen to me that might actually have more of a direct impact so i change i'd love to know what people listening to this think like would they want to see something similar would they want to have like be a part of something where they can actually learn from events that have happened yeah. i think it happens in aviation doesn't it aviation's got quite a good uh, they've got an open reporting system i don't know that's probably about as much as i know that that kind of sounds like what you're talking about so they have an oh, open right. reporting system and then and then pretty much everything is quite openly managed through there um but it's probably yeah. more like a self-regulating system they're, be they're definitely better at learning and from f looking from the outside in they seem to be better at learning i wouldn't from talking to a few people i wouldn't say that the probably on the pedestal as much as what people put them on there, but but still they are country mile ahead of everyone else. Well, I, I tell you what, let's, let's, let's do a little bit of, if you don't mind, James, a call to action, right? For people that are listening to this, if you've heard this part of the conversation, you've thought, yes, I want to know, and I want to learn from events that have happened within my relative industry, be that for example, food manufacturing, construction, agriculture, whatever it's going to be. I just want to know what's happened. What did they do about it? What were the good things? What were the bad things? And actually, a little bit of a brainstorm to how it could be applied in my workplace. Let us know. Drop us a message. I think people will want to know. But the, the big question here would be, do people want to share? Because I tried to do this in my previous, before I went to consulting, I was, part, I was in a trade association. And this was exactly what we were trying to do. So I wanted to set up an industry-wide reporting system that we could all report into and all learn from and share those learnings. Everyone wanted it. No one wanted to share for it.
So no one wanted to put the information in. So everybody wanted the an, an, anon, anonymity. Anom- yeah. yeah. Anyone yeah. wanted to be anonymous. <laughs> so let, let's look at it a slightly different lens then, if, if we could. There is a huge amount of health and safety consultants out there who will deal with small businesses, medium businesses that have some form of health and safety representation who might need to know this type of information. Maybe, James, rather than going to sort of like the bigger businesses for a second, what about if the consultants came together and said, actually, on an anonymized level, because it's not about a particular business, it's just about a customer, it's a client, right, that they have. We've had agreement from the client to share this and we're doing it on their behalf. And actually that gives the consultants who are very much in the know the freedom to share and to be able to talk about it in an anonymized way rather than having to go to individual employers directly. Maybe, Jane, maybe we've been looking at it in the wrong lens. Maybe that's what we need to do. As a consultant network, we need to come together to learn from each other. And then by doing that, we might find that the actual direct employers get more involved. That could work. In theory, I I think that sounds like it could work. I feel like, James, I'm giving myself some work to do this year. <laughs> you haven't got enough time for that, neither of us have. <laughs> That's a good idea, but like fuck are either of us doing it. Um, right, anything else we want to touch on? I'm just whizzing through it. I, I'm, having, I'm having a quick look kind of through. I mean, we've covered potentially some of like the big ones, which is we've covered kind of sleep. We've covered about kind of the feelings of optimism in good spirits. We've talked a bit about fulfillment. We've talked a bit about being happy. We've talked through the challenges that exist relative to things like uncertainty, about isolation, loneliness, workload, empathy, a lack of prioritization of ourselves and our own kind of ambitions and desires. We've talked through how we can do more to celebrate the wins that we have as a profession, as an individual, beyond, for example, those that are expected good but also those that are just the expected good. We can praise ourselves for just doing a good job. That's it. We, we absolutely good. can. Maybe expected, but it's still good. It's still good. It's still, still good. good. Yeah. Absolutely is. We've talked about the power of networks, communities, finding peer-to-peer support, no matter what your level is, be it advisor, manager, group manager, director, whatever it's going to be from that point of view. We've talked through some of the challenges between each of the individual uh, occupational groups, construction, manufacturing. We've given some examples of how it felt to be young and in the profession and being a bit green and being a bit nervous about reaching out for help. And we've really finished here with a good call to action for people that would like to know more about actual issues and events that are technically happening that are associated with technical health and safety topics the challenges about sharing that but also a potential solution for how us as a consultant network can come together and deliver something for the greater good of the profession it's been a hell of an episode james we've covered loads it's been a bit of a uh... I can't remember what we said in the beginning. For I'm impressed that you remembered all of that. I was kind of like, "What are we? What are we spoke about?" <laughs> um, no, I really enjoyed that survey. Thank you very much for everyone to uh, everyone who completed Thank it. You. Yeah. Um, I, you know, looking at the average time, you know, people spent a good like nearly ten minutes on average doing this. So I really appreciate not everyone had ten minutes in the day um, to do anything, let alone come and do something like this. So I really, really appreciate it. I do think that. 
there is something we should do with it. Um, I don't know what it is, um, but you know, if there's some way we can publicize it with, obviously it's all anonymous, so there's nothing that, you know, no one's, but if we could take this and maybe try and raise some awareness and, and provoke some action, that'd be cool. But I don't quite know what that is. We'll, we'll, we'll ponder on that a little bit more. I think a carousel would probably be a good start, um, on LinkedIn, but then we'll ponder on that a little bit more, but thank you very much everyone to, for, um, for joining in. And at some point we'll make these live. Um, but considering if you notice the cut halfway through, uh, Pete had a little bit of an interruption, so maybe live's not the answer. We'll find out. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. But James, um, thank you as well. You know, as much as kind of, I really appreciate everyone filling in the survey, but thank you just for your insights and sharing, sharing what you have. We've, I think you've, you've covered so many wonderful points there that will resonate, absolutely resonate with people across the profession. So I appreciate you, you both advocating for those individuals and raising the challenges that you have done. It's really important, James, massively important. No, I just, yeah, I just think that like, I don't know, we're, we're all, we're all dogs going through a puddle and sometimes you're, you're a small dog and I don't know what the analogy was, but yeah, you know what I mean? Some dogs get covered in mud and go through a puddle, some don't. Uh, but that, that YouTube channel I mentioned, Better Ideas, uh, is really good. It's one of my favorites. Um, that, that helps me a lot, helps me a hell of a lot. Um, a couple of others, I'll probably say more of his original content, but Ali Abdul, his, his, um, mm. his original productivity stuff is amazing. And that really helped me kind of when I struggle with overwhelm of all the things I need to do, come back to like just being product productive efficient with my time uh and productive uh so his original content is really good um trying to think of uh other people um there's someone thomas thomas frank uh he mostly targets his stuff at, at students but there's a lot of good productivity stuff on there um i just find people in here there's a lot of people talking about their to-dos and overwhelm and stuff like that you know i have spent years going through working out what's the best way to stay productive um, and, and stay on top of things uh, when you've got so much going on. Uh, and those, those few channels have helped me. There's a lot more out there, but they're just the ones that come, that come to mind. But thank you, Pete, for your insights and thank you for putting the survey together as well. Like I know that took you a good, a good uh, okay. hour or so. Uh, so thank you very much for that, mate. And, um, and I appreciate your insights and putting it together. I appreciate all 37 people that have done this, this survey and I look forward to the next episode. Likewise, mate. Sounds good. Right. Enjoy yourself. Stay safe, everyone. See you soon. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilised in real life as the only solution available. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic or otherwise, without prior written permission from James McPherson.